1: The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live.
4: Off turn four, white flag is in the air. Christopher Bell takes it. He sets sail for turns one and two, trying to walk off. For the second time in the last four weeks, Christopher
5: Bell has been in a do-or-die situation. He is still alive. Final time in a three, Christopher Bell from alive line. He had the win, and he's
6: going to win. Here comes Christopher Bell. He'll score the win further back
4: chastain chastain did a video game move drove it and never lifted put it against the safer barrier in turn three never lifted all the way around the turn and ross chastain passes denny hamlin ross chastain will get into the playoff i cannot believe what i just saw he came down the back straightaway wide open never lifted almost 70 miles per hour faster than anybody
1: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Lou Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. From the MRN studios in Concord, North Carolina, here is your host, Mike Bagley.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of NASCAR Live here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here back with you as we kick off yet another season of NASCAR Racing here on MRN. Now, with this edition of NASCAR Live, we're going to be kind of looking ahead a little bit, but we're also going to wrap up some unfinished business from 2022 coming up. I'll take you back to my visit with Justin Marks. That was following his first win at Circuit of the Americas. That was the first win for Team Trackhouse and also Ross Chastain's first win in the NASCAR Cup Series as well. We'll also revisit the signature moment for Trackhouse as we listen to a NASCAR Live backtracks of the Xfinity 500 last fall at Martinsville. Plus, you'll also hear my conversation with Jimmy Johnson following his announcement that he's returning to the sport. That happened in championship weekend out in Phoenix. Plus, We'll do a deep dive on the three turns of Pocono and look back at the history of first-time winners at Richmond Raceway and a whole lot more. But to get us going, as he always does, Kyle Rickey is here with a refresher of all the news that's happened over the holiday season.
7: Kyle? Mike 2023 is here, and what an exciting start to the year it's been for multiple drivers and their families, starting with the Larson's. Kyle and his wife, Caitlin, welcome their third child into the family on New Year's Eve. Cooper joins the couple's two oldest kids in son, Owen, who is eight, and daughter, Audrey, who is now four. Bubba Wallace had his own exciting New Year's Eve plans. The 29-year-old tied the knot with longtime girlfriend Amanda Carter in front of hundreds of guests at the JW Marriott in Charlotte. The wedding comes almost exactly a year and a half after the couple got engaged in July of 2021 after dating for five years. As the upcoming season approaches, numerous changes in the garage continue to unfold. Over the holiday, Thor Sport Racing finalized their lineup for 2023, with the team switching back to manufacturer Ford they welcomed Haley Deegan to the organization as she'll compete in her third truck series season. Deegan will pilot the number 13 truck with Rich Lushes as her crew chief. Lushes was atop the pit box for Ben Rhodes when he brought home the 2021 NASCAR Truck Series championship. Jared Prince will now oversee Rhodes' truck. Shane Wilson remains crew chief for Matt Crafton and Joe Shear Jr. will remain with Ty Majeski. Deegan is departing David Gilliland Racing after competing for them for two full seasons. Alpha Prime Racing announced the races that Ryan Ellis will compete in this season. Ellis is slated to pilot 24 events in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. The team also finalized a deal that will bring Stephan Parsons back for a select number of events. Parsons made 12 starts for APR in 2022, which was highlighted by... By an eighth-place finish at Bristol. Details regarding the sponsorship and events Parson will run will come at a future date. The latest driver to sign with the team was Leland Honeyman Jr. as he finished third in the Arkham Menard Series East Points a year ago. The specifics of his 2023 events will be released at a later date as well. With the renewed partnership, Josh Williams will race for DGR Racing full-time in the NASCAR Xfinity Series in 2023. Coming off a 15th place finish together in the championship race at Phoenix, Williams will return to the number 92 Chevrolet Camaro. And we end this week's news sending our condolences to the family and friends of legendary rally car driver and DC Shoes co-founder Ken Block, who passed away in a snowmobile accident on Monday. He was 55. Mike.
0: Thank you, Kyle. And, of course, all of us here at the Motor Racing Network send our condolences to the family of Ken Block, a true motorsports legend. Coming up, we'll hear from Justin Marks following Trackhouse Racing's first win. And later, we'll revisit the thriller that was the Xfinity 500.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
0: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. The rise of track house racing was one of the prevailing stories of 2022. That second-year team scored three wins between their two cars, and both drivers, Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez, made the playoffs with Ross coming up just short of being crowned champion, the first signs of this huge year came back in March with Ross's win at Circuit of the Americas in Austin. 24 hours after that victory, I caught up with team owner Justin Marks to discuss the accomplishment. The team principal, Justin Marks, is on NASCAR Live. Justin, welcome in. How are we doing?
8: Oh, We're doing good. My feet haven't touched much of the ground the last 24 hours. It's been, uh, it's been pretty Awesome.
0: Well, it was awesome to watch it happen. It was more interesting watching it develop. Uh, Saw some video, obviously. Watched it on TV. Heard the description on the radio. Saw you standing behind the war wagon there. I guess when when you pumped your fist and the guys started to get excited that was when contact was made and then you jumped up on pit wall what was that moment like knowing you're about to win your first cup race as an owner
8: well i mean i've done this you know long enough and been in this sport long enough and a part of these races to know that you know when when you do these green white checkers you do these these sort of dashes to the end at short tracks and road courses that you know a lot of times it really truly isn't over until the last corner and you know desperation sets in and and it kind of just you know racecraft kind of goes out the window and it's sort of like who just wants it more at that point so you know, you could have thrown a blanket over all three of those guys with three corners to go. And, I mean, any three of them could have won the race or, heck, the fourth place guy, you know. So, um, so I mean, for us, it was it was just waiting to see how Ross managed, you know, what happened in front of him, but how he, he managed those last couple corners. And, obviously, how, I think he was trying to just push the 16 through there to um, to try to get the 48 out of the way. Um, and, uh, you know, and those two got into each other. So, I think that point where we all – kind of realized it was our day was was, uh, you know, essentially when he cleared the 48 and had enough of a enough of a cushion driving into that last corner to know that uh, if he just got through his shifts, we had the race one. So it's just you never know till it's over.
0: We were speaking a moment ago. Your teams have speed and you've had speed ever since Daytona with this new car. A lot of conversations about will this level, the playing field, the parody word has come up. I view this as This new race car in this season has provided opportunity for teams that perhaps otherwise would not have had as big of an opportunity in the past. Is that a fair assessment?
8: Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think that this car, uh, I think that success in this car um, exists in a little bit of a different form than in the past. I mean, I think for the last couple of decades, you know, speed on the racetrack performance has really been a, a function of. You know, engineering and ingenuity around parts and pieces and designing race cars and and all that. And, and, you know, bringing sort of far superior equipment to the racetrack versus your um, your your colleagues. Well, now we all have the same stuff. So I think that the equity of success exists in a different form. I think that, you know, we're not we're not designing parts and pieces anymore. It's about workflow management, it's about culture. It's about obviously getting talented people and letting them do their jobs and, and you know building a great team. And that's what that's what we're doing at Track House is that, you know, everybody is really, really motivated and, and helping each other. Both race teams are working really well together. Everyone's got a very positive attitude. They're excited to be here. And I think in the past You know sometimes things like technology and budget could cover up deficiencies you have in your culture right i mean you could you could you could create you could in theory have a team that wasn't a very fun place to work but still won a lot of races because you've had great engineering depth you had a lot of money you know like kind of whatever it is but i don't think that that's going to be the case anymore i mean you know, our team is small. We, we don't. I mean, like Penske and Hendrick and Gibbs and these these play, these are much bigger teams. Than us. They have a lot of depth in engineering and in analytics and data and things like that. But we're just focusing on the fundamentals at Trackhouse. I mean, we, we've, we've got this car that we're approaching with an open mind. Everybody's helping each other. And at the tip of the spear, we've got two race car drivers that are incredibly talented and incredibly hungry. And they're ready to make their mark in the sport. I think that kind of sums it up for us.
0: You mentioned culture. What is the culture of track house racing and where did it develop?
8: Well, I mean, I think that, you know, for me, it was recognizing an opportunity that this car, um, gives us the opportunity to sort of like, you know, sort of hit a reset switch in the sport and, and challenge what a race team is fundamentally top to bottom, front to back. Why do we do things the way that we do them? Why, why is workflow set up this way? Why is the workforce set up this way? And, um, you know, and for us, it's it's like I, I I'm, I've set out. My crusade is to really build a team. Is to really really build a team, and that means, you know, motivating people. Everybody in different departments getting to know each other means investing in their lives and investing in you know who they are and what motivates them, and and just creating a really really fun and rewarding place to work. And I think that if I do my job in creating that, and that's kind of what Trackhouse is about, About at least inside the walls here. Uh, you're going to get the best work out of everybody. And we've got, you know, 128 really talented people here. And so my mission is just to try to create a place when everybody walks in in the morning, they get excited when they wake up in the morning to go to work at Trackhouse. And they get excited not only about, you know, a place where they're appreciated and a place that's, that's a fun place to work, but also recognize that we have an opportunity to upset the apple cart we have an opportunity here to 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 do something and to establish a new team at the top of this game and i think that's exciting for all of us and that's what we're invested in
0: so when you look to bring people into the team when you look to expand it or 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 bring someone in what are the traits the personalities the characteristics that you look for that say you know what that person would fit great here that person would be good with what we're doing
8: yeah i mean that's something that we're that we're developing i mean we are still young and so we are still determining i mean you know it's it's we haven't hi- i mean look a, a huge percentage of our of our uh, workforce here was at chip ganassi racing and so you know we haven't had the 128 people that we have aren't people that that we didn't interview you know we didn't walk through the door with their with their resumes we had to interview them, we had to go through that process so i mean one of the things we talk about is hiring for attitude over aptitude right we talk about hiring somebody that is got the right attitude that's got the work ethic that's excited about what we're doing that is excited about the new car um that likes the direction that nascar is going in i mean if somebody's got those traits um then i think that you know uh and obviously has the talent that we're willing to to train and let them get the experience here because uh it's important the attitude is important i mean i don't i don't want to hire the best whatever there is whatever position in the sport the, the person that was the best ever at that if they don't think the car is very the new car is really cool they don't like that we're putting dirt on bristol or they're kind of tired of the grind or like we don't want any of that stuff so we're so it's really talking you know, it's about hiring attitude over aptitude and, and just trying to make sure that we have a building full of very motivated and, and uh, positive people
0: You mentioned a few moments ago that your cars have had speed ever since we pulled onto the property at Daytona to open the season. Now we've come from the West Coast swing. We've got our first road course race under our belt. Now we're going to go into a little short track swing. We've got Richmond, Martinsville, Bristol dirt. Back to Talladega, we get into the meat and potatoes. What do you think is a target rich environment for track house racing coming up over the next few months?
8: Well, I mean, I think I think it's probably not as much about identifying where those opportunities are as much as just continuing to learn about this car. And and you know, now we haven't been to a short track uh, uh, yet, so um, so I mean, there's a ton of unknowns about how this car is going to get around Richmond, how this car is going to get around Martinsville. I mean, you know, Bristol Dirt, it's like um, who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, I, I feel like taking this car to Bristol Dirt, is like mud bogging an indie car. But um, but I mean, we we have a you know we've got a lot of uh, we have a lot of unknowns ahead of us so i think what's motivating track house right now is is to really um you know try to try to be in a learning mode with these short tracks and and try to understand what it's going to take to get these to get these car fast around these short tracks but you know look, richmond is you know ross is very good at richmond daniel had a great race at martinsville last year before the wreck um you know so i mean i continue to believe that if we do our jobs and prepare well we can go to any of these tracks and have a shot
0: Coming up, we'll look back on one of the most memorable races of 2022, the Xfinity 500. And later, Jimmy Johnson stops by.
3: Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on youtube and youtube tv all right enough about sports go get more sports terms and embargoes apply offer ends June six no refunds
1: this is nascar live now back to mike bagley Welcome back to
0: NASCAR Live. You just heard my conversation a few moments ago with Justin Marks of Trackhouse Racing following the team's first win back in March of last year. Surprisingly, the crowning moment for the team came seven months later and did not involve a win. Let's take you back to Martinsville Speedway, the last chance for drivers to advance to the championship four at Phoenix for a walk-off win and a move you have to hear to believe.
4: Larson won the pole in qualifying yesterday. He opts to start the race on the outside lane. He's got teammate Chase Elliott lined up to his inside. Field up off turn number four. Greg Harris on top of the flag stand. Puts the green flag in the air. And we're racing at Martinsville Speedway in the Xfinity 500. Got a battle for the lead.
5: Here comes Denny Hamlin to the inside on Chase Elliott. Finally found a sliver of daylight to the low line on the Napa Chevrolet. But Elliott with a good draw off the top of turn number
4: two. Here comes Hamlin again. Back to the inside Danny Hamlin for the lead in turn 4. Chase Elliott will not give it up without a fight. Elliott will continue to lead by half a car length. Here comes Denny Hamlin downstairs. Side by side for the number 1 spot at Martinsville.
5: Hamlin on the inside. Chase Elliott free wheels it to the outside. Danny down the back straight away in Turn
6: three. Five-time winner on the inside. One-time winner in Chase Elliott on the outside. And five-time. Denny Hamlin's going to take the
5: lead. And he will take it on lap 121. William Byron driving hard. Trying to hang on to the bottom of the racetrack. Make Denny Hamlin take it the hard way if he can. Denny diamonds the corner. Looks low, but nothing there. Off four. Two to go. In stage number
6: one, Martinsville, Virginia. The Martinsville Speedway. Everybody watching. Denny Hamlin
5: work the traffic. Work some underneath the William Byron machine. He'll pull even down the back straightaway and into turn three. Oh, Byron almost crossed it up. Late, breaks it into three and nearly threw it away. An absolutely dominant performance so far here at Martinsville Speedway. Denny Hamlin will just follow Kevin Harvick into turn three. And it will be
6: the fifth stage win for Denny Hamlin in 2022. Off four, uncontested to the line. And Denny Hamlin has picked up the green and white checkered
5: flag yet again. Larson Hang a left turn. Drop in on his back bumper in third. Then it's Cole Custer. Brian Blaney working hard to the outside. Brad Keslowski gets third. He and Ross Chastain got together on entry to turn number three. Brad Keslowski back. Into the safer barrier in turn four. The race
6: off from Pit Road. Though Christopher Bell wins the race off from Pit Road. Out second is Ryan Blaney. Third out is uh, Chase Elliott. Denny Hamlin a rough run down Pit Road. Fourth out and Kyle
5: Larson is fifth out of Pit Road. Trouble in turn three. Hard lick straight into the wall for Landon Castle. May have had a right front tire go down. A big hit into the safer barrier as he rolls to a stop at the exit of turn number four. That nation's guard Chevrolet is gonna need a right front clip as the window net comes down for Landon Castle. Gonna need a fender too. Right front fender. Caution flag
6: number six and All of a sudden, uh, this changes everything.
4: Chase Briscoe will be the race leader. He stayed on the racetrack, as did his Stuart Haas Racing teammate, Cole Custer. So Stuart Haas Racing will go one, two chase briscoe in a must win situation they make the desperation call chase briscoe on older tires will lead the field to green chase briscoe win or else christopher bell win or else they go one two down the back straightaway for what it's worth christopher bell's team put four fresh goodyear tires on the car on lap 470 chase briscoe stayed on the track he's on much older tires trying to hang on here they come out of turn two christopher
5: bell open. A hold of the inside. They bang coming off turn two. They are side by side down the back straightaway. Christopher Bell takes the lead. Left
4: 496 as they bump a little further back. Off turn four. White flag is in the air. Christopher Bell takes it. He sets sail for turns one and two, trying to walk off. For the
5: second time in the last four weeks, Christopher Bell has been in a do-or-die situation. He is Still alive. Final time in a three. Christopher Bell from alive. He had to win, and he's going to win. Here comes
6: Christopher
4: Bell. He'll score the win. Further back, Ross Chastain. Chastain did a video game move. Drove it and never lifted, put it against the safer barrier in turn three, never lifted all the way around the turn and Ross Chastain passes Denny Hamlin. Ross Chastain will get into the playoff.
3: Justin Marks went in for the hug, congratulated his driver. Have you ever seen anything like that in all your years of racing?
8: I didn't think anything like that was possible. I think it just shows how much grit and determination and just yeah, how there's just no give up in that kid and I, and I think that you know we were out at the white flag and he said there's an opportunity to do something here to get us in and i've never seen anything like that in my life it's amazing i'm so proud of this team so proud of everybody at track house the nine and nine team the one team now we can go fight for a championship it's incredible
2: i just fully committed and i double checked off of two when we took the white flag and Bill will and brandon mcgrinnell's both re yelling yes we need two spots and I, uh, I grabbed fifth gear, we were used third and fourth here. I grabbed high gear and got against the wall early and just took my hands off the wheel and, and knew my belts were tight and trusted the process and trusted this next-gen car and I was willing to do it. And you know, if it didn't work, it didn't work, but I wasn't gonna go down without at least trying. Um, I can't believe for this Moose fraternity, Chevy, Kim, that it, that it worked. All of our partners that haven't helped, Jockey, Worldwide Express and the Moose, um, Kubota. Like a, I, we've got so many people and all we asked for is a chance and we have a chance. Had to win. The round of twelve. One at Charlotte.
6: Had to win the round of eight. One at Martinsville. Christopher Bell, your emotions right now.
2: Just unbelievable. You know, I I don't even know what to say. It's a, it's such a dream come true to be here driving for Joe Gibbs racing and uh, driving this number twenty DeWalt Camry. They uh, they believed in me and, and through the thick and thin, you know, it, it all hasn't been roses, so uh, that was badass. That was badass.
6: Finally, Phoenix. Just, I, I know you're just celebrating here, but uh, what you looking forward to getting to Phoenix? How, how do you run there?
9: Holy smokes, we get to go race for a championship!
0: What an incredible finish that was. The race clocked in at number five in our countdown of the best races to air on MRN in 2022 on our NASCAR Live Wide Open podcast. By the way. All those episodes are available now wherever you get your podcast. Just search NASCAR Live. Coming up, you'll hear my conversation with Jimmy Johnson moments after he announced that he was returning to the sport. And later, we do a deep dive on the most unique track in all of NASCAR.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley. We continue on this week's NASCAR
0: Live. 2022 silly season was wild with Kyle Busch moving to Richard Childress Racing and Tyler Reddick departing RCR for 2311. But the biggest shocker of them all was save for last. Seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion Jimmy Johnson announced at Phoenix in November that he was joining Petty GMS Racing in 2023 as a part owner and would drive in select races. I caught up with Jimmy right after he got off the stage for this announcement to ask him, why now was the right time to return? Well, 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 step into the media
2: center and look who I bump into, a seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion, Jimmy Johnson. Welcome back to NASCAR Live. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Obviously, some big news just hit, and uh, just an exciting, exciting period of time. You've had a lot going on ever since you left NASCAR Cup Series racing, Been in IndyCar, you have all these other options. What has drawn you to the ownership portion of the sport? Yeah, I mean, it really hasn't been on my radar throughout my, my life so far, my career. I always had the dream of taking my helmet and driving everyone else's equipment. And then, you know, if it was wrecked or, you know, didn't run well, I could just walk away and, and just be a driver and carry my helmet everywhere. So this is something that really just has evolved, um, you know, in a short period of time. You know, when I look at the overall landscape, um, you know, NASCAR is uh, is at a point where, Um, The business model is starting to make sense, and we're all in anticipation that it will continue to head that way and and make more sense in in years to come and negotiations to come. Um, I I can also say that my experience in the IndyCar series and working with Chip Ganassi Racing, I've been able to do a lot of learning outside of the car and around the business side here in recent years. and, And have learned a lot and then also have kind of understood the brand that I've created through all the years sitting behind a wheel, and I've never really tapped into it. Uh, so you know you you put all that together, and this opportunity um, is presented to me. The idea comes about, and I can kind of see a pathway forward, and, and see a very bright future for myself in this ownership role, and being partnered with Maury Gallagher and his vision to success. Obviously, the king and his history and legacy. Um, it, it's just uh, an opportunity of a lifetime for me that I had to take. For those fans of the sport that are curious, what are the conversations like? With two gentlemen that share 14 Cup Series championships among them, it's about as simple and as basic as <laughs> it gets. And I think that's the beauty. And anybody that knows Richard, you know, there's there's so much around him, but when you really know him, it's simple. He just loves racing, and he wants to go fast, and he wants to uh, wants to do well. And and that's really any conversation I've had with him is about getting to victory lane, about running well. You left this sport with a lot of wins, a lot of championships, and you went into an unknown. You had never been in IndyCar.
0: What was that like coming out of your comfort zone here, going over there, learning and doing everything you did
2: there, and now coming back? It was an eye-opener, say the least. I mean, I felt like my performance on track, especially street and road courses, would be a little higher out of the gate. But the cars are so different. But thankfully, I was at a place in my own head that... I was there for the experience. Of course, I'm a competitor. Of course, I want to do well. But that I had that part of my career. You know, that was here in NASCAR. So I, I truly enjoyed it I was surrounded by amazing people at Chip Ganassi Racing, and uh, you know, I had, had an amazing couple of years and. I certainly hope to climb back behind the wheel of one of those cars in years to come as well in that time that
0: you stepped away, a lot has changed. We have new race cars. We've got newer drivers. I'm curious. One of the things that people herald about you is the class that you possess and the way you race. You've had a lot of rambunctious racing lately from younger drivers. What is number one, your thought on that? And if you could counsel some of these younger drivers today, how would you work them through some of their
2: learning curves or learning pains that they're going through right now? That's a big question. I mean, You know, when I got my start in cup, I was 25 turning 26. And I think some of the recent drivers that are, you know, in the headlines are are much younger than that. And I always said when I came along, granted, I wish things happened sooner for me. And I wish I was in a cup car at 18, you know, like Jeff Gordon was. But, you know, when you're 25, 26, it's way different than 19, 20, 21. And and I, I had that luxury to where I could go out and make mistakes and learn learn how I wanted to race, learn the voice that I wanted to have without the brightest of spotlights on me of the Cup Series. So, uh, you know, our sport needs all types, and I think everybody's learning as they go, and it certainly gives us plenty to talk about during the week in between races. Oh, yeah, it does.
0: So in 2023, part ownership, you're going to run some races. Um, What is the attraction of coming back
2: and running this new race car, And, and why just a handful? Well, I kind of started this crusade out in trying to find the coolest five to ten race schedule I could put together. And that would include NASCAR, IndyCar, sports car, some form of dirt racing. Um, And quickly into that thought process, this opportunity presented itself. So I spent a lot of time working on this, trying to get this done. And, um, you know, we'll try to identify the races that I'll participate in. But definitely the Daytona 500 is is my starting point um, in this new adventure with Petty GMS. And, you know, in the coming weeks and months, I will try to build out the rest of my schedule and what it looks like from a, a racing side. But, um, you know, there's still a few bridges to cross in, in to see schedule, timing, manufacturer related issues. You know, there's a lot of stuff out there for me to work through and, and put my schedule together. Driving aside, how involved will you be
0: with the drivers, with the ownership group, hands on as far as cars prep, the running of the
2: organization? What will be your role there with Maury with and the King and Mike Beeman and everyone over there at Petty GMS? You know i think they're open to my help and assistance everywhere and my goal is to find out where i think um, it was a natural fit for me where i can help the most um, from afar it looks like the competition side and the operation side is, is functioning quite well you know they won a race this year it seems only 11 months old um, they've been able to acquire noah uh, you know there, there, there's a lot going on there that is Trending in a fantastic direction. So, you know, what other areas uh, can I focus on and be of help with? Uh, Clearly, the races that I run, I have existing partners that I hope to bring in, bring into the family. And I feel like initially that will be my primary focus is to, you know, help get the races that I'm going to run funded, bring those partners in, get them embedded into the race team. You know, can I help with GM? Uh, Can I help? Um, with our drivers that we have, you know, what, what do they need? I mean, you know, I, I, had a pretty good training program, but that's, that's the norm now. So I'm pretty sure, you know, that side's locked down for both drivers, but there's gotta be areas that I can help. And I'm just going to Um, help where I can and and learn. Well, one of those things outside of a racing organization is the collaboration
0: that we've seen between NASCAR and the drivers, the driver's council and and being more um, more have a uh, lines of communication be open between the sanctioning body and the drivers. Is that something that you would like to be a part of as far as your tenure in the sport, but the knowledge and maybe some mentorship that you could
2: bring as far as that's concerned? Yeah, wherever I can help, I'm open to it. And obviously now I'm I'll be in and an invite at least to the owners meetings, which I'm not sure how many drivers really sit in on that these days. But ultimately, I want what's best for the sport. And wherever I can help, if it's helping with the driver, driver's side, the ownership group, um, whatever it might be, um, you know, I want to see the sport succeed. Final question: What kind of a sign-off process was like? Was this like with Shandy and the girls before you committed to the King and everybody? The opportunity is uh, so significant that I, I don't think we've really ever questioned it. Um, it's just a tremendous opportunity, and my wife is my uh, my number one fan and biggest supporter. And, and once again, she's uh, you know she's thrilled and excited for me.
0: Oh, it's going to be so great to see Jimmy back on track this season, starting with the Daytona 500 next month. Coming up, we examine each of the three unique turns of Pocono Raceway, and later, we'll revisit the first-time winners that Richmond Raceway has produced.
1: NASCAR Live is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. Blue Emu is family-owned and manufactured here in America. It works fast, and you won't stink. Now, back to Mike Bagley. Mike Bagley. Welcome back
0: to NASCAR Live. Every summer, NASCAR heads to the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania to run on the tricky triangle known as Pocono Raceway. The shape of the track isn't the only thing that makes it tricky. All three corners are unique as well. Heading into this summer's race, Kurt Becker took us through all three of those corners.
10: The tricky triangle known as Pocono Raceway is arguably the most unique track in all of motorsports. As the nickname suggests, the track is triangular in shape as opposed to the oval shape of most of the tracks in NASCAR. The uniqueness does not just stop with the shape. The three corners of that triangle are all unique and have their own story and present their own challenges. Drivers start on the longest straightaway on a North American speedway at nearly 4,000 feet before they barrel down into turn one at speeds near 200 miles an hour. That turn is banked at 14 degrees and modeled after Trenton Speedway, a kidney-bean-shaped oval at the New Jersey State Fairgrounds. The turn is known as one of the most treacherous in NASCAR because of the high speeds that are carried into the corner. Brake issues going into turn one at Pocono have caused some of the most breathtaking crashes in the sports history, like Ken Schrader in 2003 and Jeff Gordon in 2006.
5: Traveling number one, upside down is Ken. Schrader, hard into the outside wall, goes all the way over, lands back on his feet, fire erupting out of the rear end of the Blair.com Dodge. Schrader spins down into the infield grass, a vicious lick for Schrader, got turned around, hit the wall backwards, flipped all the way over. Schrader scrambling, trying to come out of that Dodge.
9: Spectacular crash down in turn number one. We see Ken Schrader trying to climb out of the car. There is flames toward the rear end and the front end, but Schrader is out of the machine and steps away from it. Let's go back to turn one.
5: He is out, Barney. It appears to be okay. Not a happy camper, as you might well expect after a terrifying ride here in turn number one. Gordon pounds the outside wall. Something went wrong at the, exit to the, at the entrance to the corner. He went down through the infield, hit the access road, flew a good eight feet in the air. There is mud, there is dirt, there is debris everywhere in turn one and Jeff Gordon has absolutely pulverized the safer barrier and the window net is coming down. That's a huge
10: relief for Jeff Gordon fans as he almost knocked the wall down here in turn one. The entrance of turn one is not the only treacherous part of the corner. Drivers are always fighting for position on the exit of the corner, and some of those incidents have led to even more spectacular crashes, like when Dale Earnhardt Incorporated teammates, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Steve Park got together in 2002.
0: Whoa, further back, Steve Park, corrupt problems, contact in the wall. Dale Earnhardt Jr. involved. Park now flipping wildly, end over end. Down the long pox straight away. Now the corner side of the racetrack. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is collected. Two cars crash and collide in a vicious wreck off turn number one.
9: Caution is on the speedway. It comes out very early in the event here this afternoon. Let's go back to turn two. It's
0: a problem for Steve Park and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Barney. The two got tangled up when they cleared turn number one. Steve Park went hard into the Armco barrier down to the inside of the long pond straightaway. The car then became airborne, flipping wildly, turning gyrations. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has quickly climbed from the Budweiser Chevrolet. He has run over to Steve Park. Safety crews are on the scene, but two cars now collected. Steve Park and Dale Earnhardt Jr. down to the inside here on the
10: Long Pond Stretch. When drivers come off of turn one, they head onto the Long Pond straightaway before heading to turn two. Turn two is the tightest of the three corners. It is modeled after one of the quick 90 degree corners at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and is banked at just eight degrees. The short radius of that corner lends itself to some hair raising moments and classic passes, like when Bobby Labonte sailed it in on the outside of Dale Earnhardt Jr. to make a winning pass in 2001. Here comes Bobby Labonte's orange and green Pontiac, but the red Chevrolet of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a stubborn foe. Earnhardt Jr. fights back to the inside. Labonte is still there, but Earnhardt Jr. forges back to the lead. White knuckle
5: time at Pocono as they lean on each other. Labonte gives up the outside, dives low. Earnhardt swings left to block him. Here comes Labonte back on the outside again. Swapping lanes, swapping fenders as they battle for the lead, heading for two, and Bobby Labonte takes it over on the outside, and he's got the lead.
10: Drivers then look to carry speed out of the tunnel turn onto the shortest of the three straightaways and into the long-sweeping turn three. That turn is the longest and flattest on the track. It is banked just six degrees and modeled after the Milwaukee Mile and similar to what drivers encountered just last weekend at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. This corner is known for being the most important on the course. Drivers want their cars to drive well in the corner so they can carry as much speed as possible onto the long front straightaway. The corner also is not short on memorable moments. Just last summer, Kyle Larson looked like he was cruising to a victory until he entered turn three. Kyle
7: Larson expressed not to be derailed here this afternoon at the Pocono Raceway, has 10 car lengths in hand over his teammate Alex Bowman. Larson's in trouble, up into the outside wall. Tire gone down right front for Kyle Larson. Into the outside walls,
6: the leaders exit three. Do you believe it? And here comes Alex Bowman, and he will win this afternoon.
10: Will another surprise winner claim victory through turn three? Hopefully, there will be no spectacular crashes in turn one. Will a driver gain multiple spots by heading into the tunnel turn wide open? The three unique corners, all with their own memories, will be in the spotlight on Sunday when the sports best look to conquer the tricky triangle once more. Thank
0: you, Kurt always love going up to the Poconos in the summer. Coming up, we'll revisit some of the drivers who scored their first Cup Series victories at Richmond, and later, we'll close the show by looking back on one of the greatest
1: finishes in the history of the sport. Today's broadcast is brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of the Motor Racing Network. This is NASCAR Live. Now, back to Mike Bagley.
0: Welcome back to NASCAR Live. 2022 is a banner year for first-time winners in the NASCAR Cup Series with five drivers crossing the goal off their career bucket list. One of the tracks that has been synonymous with first-time winners over the years is Richmond Raceway in Virginia. Because of all that, heading into the August race at the action track, we took a trip down memory lane and revisited drivers like Tony Stewart and Casey Kane getting their first checkered flags at that three-quarter mile oval.
11: Richmond Raceway has been a part of NASCAR's history for nearly 70 years. Over the course of its time on the NASCAR schedule, names like Petty, Earnhardt, Waltrip, and Johnson have all tasted victory lane at the action track. Simply put, it's a place where legends have had a ton of success, and in recent years has become a playground for the veterans of the sport. Richmond has also been a place where numerous drivers have scored their first Cup Series win. In fact, five drivers can state the claim their first Cup Series victory came at Richmond. The first driver to accomplish this feat was James Hilton back in 1970, besting the king Richard Petty. It was one of only two Cup Series wins for Hilton, but his longevity in the sport lasted well beyond those two lone victories. The Virginia driver raced into his late 70s, making his final Truck Series start in 2011 and his final ARCA start in 2013. Seven years after Hilton scored his first win at Richmond, Neil Bonnet would do the same in the 1977 Capital City 400. Bonnet would win 17 more times in his career and has earned a nomination on the NASCAR Hall of Fame ballot. 1986 brought one of the craziest finishes in the history of the sport. Dale Earnhardt and Darrell Waltrip had been battling each other all day long at Richmond but took themselves out in the closing laps racing for the lead along with the majority of the lead lap cars, leaving a third-generation star with the last name Petty
9: in position to take the checkered flag. These two will dish it out, and Earnhardt will make him work for every inch of real estate. There's going to be some red, yellow, blue, all colors of paint between those two before this one is over. As they go back into turn number one, they get together again. They're off two.
0: Waltrip passing inside, spot covered. They are alongside of each other. They do not touch this time. Waltrip will win the drag race to turn three. Earnhardt gets him hard into the wall goes Waltrip. Hard goes Earnhardt.
5: Everybody else spins either way. Five, six cars involved, and now there's caution on the speedway.
1: Rutland and Bodine are in it. Rutland spins across the racetrack and tags Buddy Arrington. All five of the cars in the lead lap, except Kyle Petty, are in it. Here comes Kyle Petty. He's the race leader. He will come around and take the caution flag as Earnhardt Waltrip Bodine and Rutman crash at turn three.
10: I saw the, the five car and I could see the three and the 11, but I, I couldn't see the 26. And I thought Rutman had snuck by and done beat us there, and you know, and was, which, you know, that wasn't bad. But then I seen Rutman as we come out of the four there. He was setting off in the grass and couldn't get going. So, uh, you know, I just, I can't say enough. You know, the 7-11 crew, uh, the Wood Brothers, everybody worked so hard last year, you know, and everything works so good this year. And I just thank the Lord that we made it through that wreck and nobody else did.
11: It was the first of eight cup series victories for Kyle Petty. And certainly one he, along with anyone else watching the race that day back in 1986, will remember for a very long time. It would take over 13 years for Richmond to see their next first time winner, but the driver who took home the checkered flag in the 1999 Exide Batteries 400 was just getting started on a Hall of Fame career.
9: White flag on his way to getting his first Winston Cup victory ever. He is down in turn number one behind that four-car pack that we talked about. Bobby Labonte is some four to five car lengths behind him. He's off turn two and heading for victory lane.
10: No doubt about it, he's had the strong car all night. And he deserves this one. Cody Stewart for the last time up into turns three and four.
9: In just his 25th start in
11: the NASCAR Winston Cup Series. Tony Stewart is a winner. Checkered flag. Stewart
7: wins. Tonight's X side NASCAR Select 400 at Richmond. Five car lengths over his
11: teammate, Bobby Labonte.
1: Tony Stewart, you're winning your 25th start. Your thoughts?
8: <laughs> I don't know what to say. I love this Virginia racetrack. That's for sure. That's for You know, it's been a great day for us and the Home Depot team and all these fans. I'm glad you guys were here to share it with me. It means a lot.
11: The entire sport was put on notice from the moment Tony Stort climbed aboard the Joe Gibbs Racing number 20 at the start of the 1999 season. Stort dominated that night in Richmond, leading 333 of the total 400 laps. While it was only his 25th career start, Many felt Stort's win was a long time coming. Smoke went on to win 48 more races and three Cup Series championships over the course of his illustrious Hall of Fame career. One could say Stort's win opened up the floodgates for him in terms of victories in the Cup Series. Six years later... The same could be said for another budding superstar.
9: Casey Kane comes off turn number four, sees the white flag. Can he keep it between the walls? One more lap and go to victory lane for the first time in his Nextel Cup career. He's heading over to turn two.
5: Six times he's played the bridesmaid's role in Nextel Cup racing. Tonight he wants to throw the bouquet. Final time into turn three. Wide open and on his way is Casey
10: Kane. In his 47th NASCAR Nextel Cup Series start, finally, Casey Kane is going to Gatorade victory lane. He gets the victory
9: in the Chevy American Revolution 400. You know, it's, we came so close so many times,
8: and to do it at Richmond, one of our worst tracks last year, we struggled here every race. Uh, never, uh, never crashed, just couldn't run good. And uh, we came out here and tested, made a few changes, and... The car was unbelievable all night long. It was so fun racing Tony Stewart and uh, Kurt Busch up there at the beginning of the race and you know to win the race and uh, have Tony right there on my heels the whole race was that's uh, pretty awesome for me. That's uh, you know that's a that's just an unbelievable feeling.
11: Casey Kane shared a similar background with Stort as both drivers came up the ranks as sprint car racers. In an interesting twist of fate, Kane actually held off Stort for his first victory back in 2005. Just like Stort's win in 1999, Kane's win seemed like it was a long time coming for the Washington driver. It occurred in the 2004 Rookie of the Year's second season, but Kane had already finished second six times before getting that elusive first checkered flag. The win came driving for Ray Evernham as Kane would go on to win races for both Red Bull Racing and Hendrick Motorsports over the course of his Cup Series career. First-time winners will always be a big part of the history at Richmond Raceway, as they have been a part of the storylines this year in the 2022 season. An absolutely staggering five drivers have already won their first Cup race this year. With that amount of first-time winners, it leaves a fairly small pool of drivers looking for their first victory this weekend. Rookies like Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland will be looking to shock the world and join a list of first-time winners at Richmond, which include names like Bonnet, Petty, and Stort.
0: Thank you, Tim. Coming up, we'll close out the show by flashing back to one of the greatest races in the history of the sport, the 2007 Daytona 500.
1: This is NASCAR Live. Now back to Mike Bagley. Welcome back to NASCAR live over the next month
0: and a half on NASCAR live. We'll be doing a deep dive on some of the best races in the history of the great American race, the Daytona 500. Today, we thought we'd whet your appetite with arguably the greatest finish in the 60 plus year history of that race. The 2007 Daytona 500. Everybody in single file, the front two, front three cars. Here's Kyle Busch to the outside, to the inside. Martin throws the block. Bush slams into Harvick. Harvick's up the outside. Harvick's looking for the win.
6: Here comes Kevin Harvick. He draws even with Mark Martin. Side by side for the race lead and for
4: the win. Martin down low. Kevin Harvick wheel to wheel. Bush spins off turn four. Kyle
10: Busch spins. Matt Kenseth spins. But here comes the race to the Daytona 500 victory at the stripe. Kevin Harvick gets it by inches, comes out of nowhere, and Kevin Harvick is the 2007 Daytona 500 winner.
0: What a doozy that one was. You can hear that whole race right now on MRN.com or wherever you listen to your podcast. Just search MRN Classic Races. Folks, that's going to do it for us this week. I'd like to thank Jimmy Johnson and Justin Marks for being a part of our show last year and again today. I'm Mike Bagley. For the rest of the MRN crew, we thank you so much for tuning in. And we'll chat with you again on NASCAR Live wide open tomorrow.
1: And again, NASCAR Live Tuesday next week right here. Until then, so long, everybody. NASCAR Live is a production of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina. And was brought to you by Blue Emu Maximum Pain Relief, the official pain relief cream of NASCAR. It works fast, and you won't stink. And by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Today's broadcast was produced by Trey Downey, Pat Jaggers, and Julian Council. The executive producer for MRN is Ryan Horn. Remember to visit MRN.com for all of the latest news and information. NASCAR Live is produced under an exclusive license with NASCAR. Any use of the accounts and descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.
3: Ruoff Mortgage wants to welcome you home with their fast and stress-free mortgage process. Ruoff knows that when you're ready to move, you want to keep things moving.